Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And I can already see some texts coming in about the fact the of the G uh, the decision of the GAA to schedule two Cork games in Dublin on two separate days and it's drawn fire from uh, many fans. There's a match on Saturday and there's a match on Sunday. Some people are saying could the would wouldn't it have been a lovely and a better decision if the GAA had made it an attractive dual code double header? Would that ever happen? Would you have to get the the Dublin supporters and the Kilkenny supporters to agree? I don't I don't know if that would come into it uh, or not. But instead, we have got the Cork senior men's footballers taking on the All Ireland champions Dublin in Croke Park. That's on Saturday evening. That's in the Super Eights. That's after a commanding display against Leash at the weekend. And then the following day, Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon, the Cork Hurlers will take on Kilkenny. And of course, that's for a chance to meet All Ireland champions Limerick in the semi-finals at the end of the month. But people are pointing out. <clears throat> commentators are making the point that this decision is going to be a very expensive decision and most ordinary GAA loving families simply will not be able to afford to make the journey on both days. It would be a very, very costly weekend if there were families planning on bringing their children, heading to Dublin from Cork on a Saturday, coming back and then heading up again on a Sunday. Now, I know there's the obvious thing you could stay over, but that's only going to add to the expense and the cost uh, of it. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Somebody's making the point, yes, both matches are in Dublin, but Dublin is in Ireland. If a fly got killed, it'd be all over the headlines and people would be complaining. So some Somebody reckon there's nothing to complain about here, nothing to see. There's two matches on. And if you are a genuine fan of both codes, then you will make the sacrifice. You will make the effort and you will go to Dublin on both days. Or if the purse strings can afford it, you'll go up and you'll spend the night. I mean, that's the obvious thing to do would be to overnight in, in Dublin. But that's, again, it goes back to the cost factor. And it just seems a rather harsh and an expensive decision for families to have to make if they want to go along and support both of the uh, teams. We wish nothing but luck, of course, to both of the teams. But I just wonder, will it affect the numbers of people travelling? Or will people make the decision they'll go to one or the other and very few will go to both? Your thoughts welcomed. 1850 A reminder to you that we've got another day of our competition for the odd couple in association with the Everyman, the Odd Couple, which is by Tony Award winner Neil Simon, is coming to the Everyman on July the 16th and it runs for a full month. It's there until August the 17th. And every day this week we have two pairs of tickets to get you to see the Odd Couple and the night we have the tickets for is Wednesday the 17th of July with performances starting at half past seven. We will call out three couples and one of them will be an odd couple 
as in they're not meant to be together and you've got to guess which one is the odd couple and we'll have two winners today each winning a pair of tickets to the odd couple on Wednesday the 17th of July thanks to our good friends at the Everyman so stick around for that and we'll tell you how you can be in with a chance of winning those tickets a little bit later on now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to be continuing to speak about a topic we touched on yesterday and actually we had a big reaction to it yesterday when I mentioned it I was talking about the online abuse that I spotted and I would say a lot of people spotted at the weekend towards Brian Cowan, the former Taoiseach. At the end of last week, it was announced that Brian Cowan was very ill and that he was in hospital and he was being supported and surrounded by his wife and his children and his uh, family. And that allowed people to take to online, take to the internet And the most disgusting, vile comments about a gravely ill man. It was absolutely shocking. And when I read some of the comments at the weekend, I straight away said, well, you know, Brian Cowan is an ill man, so he's obviously not on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, so he's not seen these these comments. But I straight away thought about his family and thought, God, you know, they're going through. We've all been at hospitals, you know, supporting a loved one who's unwell. And you think you're going through enough and the last thing you need to be thinking about is that there's people around the country who so hate your husband, your father, your brother, your uncle, so hate him that much that they think it's okay to take to Facebook and and Twitter and just, you know, as I say, vile, vile, disgusting comments. It, It really was shocking. So it was good to see the goodness of people and humanity coming out and people from all different political parties taking to the same social media sites and saying, stop, this has to stop. Leave the family alone. Leave the man alone. He's unwell. And people then starting to wish him a a speedy recovery. So we decided today, because we got a huge reaction to it yesterday, and can I say there was no one, we didn't get one person comment yesterday saying that oh look what that man did to the country it's it's right to pick on him now everyone was very supportive of the family and very supportive of Brian Cowan and hoping that he makes a full uh, recovery but we decided that we would invite the independent Dáil Deputy from Kerry Michael Healy Ray to join us on the programme because you may or may not have seen Michael Healy Ray on the Late Late Show now, I didn't see the piece live myself, but I did see the clip on YouTube. It looked like they had a panel of Healy Rays. It must have been after the local, it was after the local elections when some of the younger generation, I think three of the Healy Rays got elected to Cork or to Kerry County Council. The Healy Ray political dynasty continues and uh, they obviously brought them all in and you know Ryan decided to have a little bit of a chat with them about the Healy Ray dynasty. And in the course of that conversation, trolling and online abuse came up because the Healy Rays in fairness get a lot of flack and a lot of stick and Michael Healy Ray had his own spin and his own thought on it and I just thought yeah after what's happened to Brian Cowan let's have a chat with Michael Healy Ray uh, to see what he has to say about it and also how he and his other family members cope with this online abuse that is certainly meted out towards the uh, Healy Way. So we'll speak with Michael in a couple of minutes on the programme. We're also then going to hear of a listener who had a very near miss in his car while driving on the Beira Peninsula when a deer, he came across a deer on the road. Now, John Paul says he's been getting some calls in certainly yesterday and across last week from people warning about certain areas and certain roads and the Beira Peninsula seems to be where 
a lot of the calls were coming from the people saying you need to be very very careful when you're out and about that there's deers on the road and obviously the deer is going to get spooked if you're you know coming come around a corner and it's standing there and some of these deers can be huge big animals I did a bit of investigation last night to see if I could work out why it's going on because it's not the rutting season because I straight away said I wonder is this the rutting season because we have done interviews in the past during the rutting season warning people you know how to act if you come across a deer or if you're out on a walk for example and the rutting season uh, is on so at the end of the day they are wild animals but if you come across one on a road or they come off the side of an incline and you're driving along and you end up you and, you and your car end up in collision. I mean, a very, very serious accident can happen. So we'll speak with one listener who that's what happened uh, last week out on the Bearer Peninsula. We're going to stay in West Cork because there are concerns in some parishes in West Cork that they're running out of graveyard plots. Now, when I heard this yesterday, Australia was thinking, OK, this this couldn't happen overnight. You can't just suddenly look at a graveyard and say, oh, oops, there's only five plots left. So I'm just wondering what have the council been doing over the last number of weeks and months and indeed years? I mean, you would know within two years whether a graveyard was going to fill up or not, wouldn't you? And you would think plans would then be made. I know at one stage earlier in the summer, there was talks of a like a regional facility, like having finding a, a plot somewhere and having a central graveyard that would, you know, maybe one for the for the West Cork area, one for the East Cork area, one for the North Cork area. But, you know, straight away when I hear of a suggestion like that, I think, ah, I don't think that's going to go down too well with family members and certainly the older generation and that notion of being buried with your people and wanting to be buried with your people. And if you've got a graveyard where your parents or your grandparents or indeed your great-grandparents are buried, there is something comforting about the fact when you're coming towards the end of your time that you know that's where I'm going to be buried. You know, that's where I want to be buried. But if they're running out of spaces, then that can't happen. So what's the solution? How do we get around it? Do we need to, as a society, if we're running out of graveyard spaces, do we need to all start looking more towards cremation? Is cremation the answer? I don't know how the older generation feel about cremation. I'm assuming in years to come, we won't be having these discussions because a lot of the younger generation will be looking to cremation. Cremation is certainly becoming more popular. But still, if you were to, I mean, I'd have to check with an undertaker I don't know what the breakdown, the percentage of cremations versus traditional burials. I would assume it's still very highly weighted on the side of traditional burials over cremations. I don't know if the stats out there on that. Is it an 80, 20, 70, 30? It certainly isn't uh, 50, 50. I mean, if you even think back yourself in the last year or two, how many funerals that you've attended or removals have you attended, how many of them went on to cremation versus how many of them went on for a traditional burial. So if that be the case and people still like the idea of a plot in a graveyard and being buried six foot under, then the council need to do something. We need to come up with more graveyard uh, plots. Uh, We're also going to give advice if you have a student in your household who has just completed sixth class in primary school or has just done the Leaving Cert and will be heading on to third level education. That transition, certainly the transition from sixth class to first year, for some can be a very, very scary time. For others, the more confident children, there's a huge level of excitement about moving on into secondary school. But for shyer, quieter children and maybe children who are, you know, less academic 
it can be very scary, the thought of going into this big school. And if you've come from a small rural school, I mean, we would have children who would have gone maybe to a two-teacher school and they would have been from junior cert right up to sixth class in a little two-teacher school, maybe down the road from where they live, across the road from Granny's house. And, you know, a very loving environment and a very close-knit environment where everybody knows everybody. And then that boy or girl is suddenly now heading into town to go to a big school, secondary school that can have five, six, up to 700 students that can be quite a scary prospect, I imagine, even for the most confident of children. So we have an expert joining us today who actually runs workshops. She's a sixth class teacher herself. So she's seen it at first hand how her and she's and she's offered advice to her own students in preparing them for that transition. And she worked out a model that she believes works and she's doing workshops all over the country just to impart her knowledge. So she's going to share some of her tips with us on the programme today. So if you are a parent of a sixth class student and she also runs it for the Leaving Cert uh, students who are heading into say, into third level education as well, because that also can be a scary transition and it can be a big transition for students who are moving away from home and moving away from home uh, for the first time. So if you've got questions or you are concerned about a student either making the move from primary to secondary or from secondary to third level and you've got a question, feel free to get it in and uh, we'll be speaking uh, with our expert at about 20 to quarter to 12 uh, today. And then after half past 12, Joe Heffernan joins us on the programme and we are discussing loneliness today, which again is a big problem for a lot of people. So a lot to get to. When I was talking about Brian Cowan being treated in hospital for serious illness at the moment and when I mentioned that we had a big reaction yesterday when I spoke about the online abuse that had been aimed towards Brian Cowan at the weekend, I said we had a big reaction yesterday and that we didn't have one comment, one negative comment about Brian Cowan and people were all saying, yeah, that the negative abuse was wrong and that, you know, that online abuse has got to uh, stop. But I I should have kept my mouth shut when I said we didn't get any negative comments against Brian Cowan because now we're after getting a plethora of them. Some of them are a bit close to the bone and I'm not reading them out for obvious reasons because I again go back to the point that he is seriously ill in hospital and he does have a wife and uh, children. But some of your comments in one person says Brian Cowan took the country down. If anybody else had done this, they'd be in jail. I bet he isn't on a waiting list, but he is receiving top care. Uh, Frank has sent in a comment. That's your opinion, Frank, but I'm sorry, I can't read it out. Uh, Patricia, you may not. This is another texture. You may not have been affected when Brian Cowan and Fianna Fáil destroyed... Uh, the country but we and lots of others were almost destroyed and we're still only trying to get our bearings lavish lifestyle wasn't there for us I'm sorry now but we can all carry on that way if we had the money but we were destroyed by Brian Cowan and Fianna Fáil we can't forget the downturn maybe you uh, can and no I don't think any of us will ever forget the downturn and I don't think anybody's asking you to forget the downturn but the point I was trying to make and again reiterate the comments that I saw at the weekend were absolutely disgusting and they were vile and they were uncalled for and it was his family in particular I mean he's very unwell in hospital so he's hardly on Twitter or on Facebook and he's hardly reading any of them but I just felt for his wife and children do they really deserve to be reading and hearing about what was being said 
uh, about uh, about at the end of the day their husband and father and somebody contacted us yesterday who is friendly with the sister-in-law of Brian Cowan and told us they were aware of the commentary online because I was hoping that you know they were so focused at the hospital that maybe they weren't reading what, what was online but they were and that they were finding it uh, very very uh, hurtful um, thank you for your comment and Sheila says hi Patricia my husband and myself think Brian Cowan was a good man it wasn't he that broke the country only people going mad with having too much you can live on little if your organs will work you can you can live on little if your organs will work uh, I personally Sashila would like to wish Brian Cowan uh, good health 1850 that's just some of the calls and comments uh, coming in going to take a break though and we're going to pick up on this topic because Deputy Michael Healy Ray is joining us to talk about online abuse I've just been saying yesterday we had a lot of people commenting on the weekend's online abuse of Brian Cowan the former Taoiseach who's currently in hospital being treated for a serious illness some of the online comments were absolutely disgusting and vile and recently Kerry TD Michael Healy Ray addressed the issue of online trolling during appearance on the Late Late Show and Deputy Michael Healy Ray joins me. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning Patricia to you and all your listeners. And you're very welcome to the programme. Firstly I take it like other members of the Dáil you want to extend good wishes to Brian Cowan and his family. I do of course. I know that I'd be speaking on behalf of uh, an awful lot of people in County Kerry and in Cork and throughout the country, like we would with any person that is ill, uh, we wish and pray for a, 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 a speedy recovery for, for Brian Cowan, and uh, and we wish him well, like any normal, decent person would do when somebody is sick. Now, unfortunately, with the advent of technology, people seem to think that it is okay to go beyond what I would call normal behaviour. And just because you can put up something without yourself being identified, and at the same time, this can be something that all the public can read, remember including perhaps the, the, the direct family of a person who might be ill or are in trouble. It could be grandchildren, children. This is an awful thing, and it's a new thing in society. And what I'm saying is, we should not, and when I say we, I'm talking about you, me, and ordinary people who have respect for life, who have respect for people when they're ill or if somebody dies. There's a common decency in, in, in people, and the Irish people have it in abundance. If somebody's in trouble, if a neighbour is in trouble, people will drop what they're doing, and they'll go to aid that person. There seems to be a thing, and I, I honestly believe there's not an awful amount of people doing it, but I addressed it, and I did speak about this recently, and it actually only came up in a sort of a roundabout way. It wasn't prearranged or anything, but I was asked a question about Healy Rays and how do we put up with people who mightn't perhaps like us, and I, I gave an answer as to what I honestly thought about that sort of abuse. But And what I said at the time was, don't mind Healy Rays or, or things like that, but talk about people who might be vulnerable, mm. people, young people, and uh, and people that might have um, an imperfection, I'll call it. It could be that you could have a, a funny walk or a funny way of, of, of speaking and that you might be a little bit different or your physical appearance might be different. That person is per- perfectly entitled to live their life in peace and not be made fun of or not to be insulted. And again, a person is vulnerable when a family member is ill and when 
Genoa person might have illness on their door. And I think that we have to shout stop. And if people think that it's acceptable to Irish people, and I'm not talking about what happens in any other part of the world, but in Ireland, we should actually say no. We as a society, we're not going to accept that some, what I would call useless person, stays up tonight at, you know, at 11 or 12 or 1 or 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Quite simply, because they're stuck inside in bed, right? I'm looking at my clock here now, and it's half past 10. The bums that were out last night writing dirty things at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, they're stuck inside in bed now, right? I know that I answered emails all right last night at 2 and 3 o'clock this morning, but I was still in my, my car at 10 to 5 and I was on the road uh, to Dublin. But, uh, like, there is people, though, that they can't burn it at 2 inns because they'll stay up all night, but they'll stay in bed all day. But it should not be acceptable to us, Patricia. It should do, be acceptable do you to you Do you use social media? Have you a Twitter account, Facebook account? Uh, I do, do, but I use it, but I would call it, I use it for work, if you know what I mean by yeah. that. If I want to put out a message saying that uh, something, some aspect of, of the, the job that, that I'm paid to do, that I'm a public representative to do, I will use it in that way. Obviously, if there's friends of mine, then if I want to wish them well and something like that, or send good wishes in a, in a public sort of way or congratulate a group on an award that they might be and, and to acknowledge them. And, and like, that's fine. And but the, uh, the younger members of the Healy Ray dynasty, I'm, I'm assuming they all use social media quite a lot. Oh, of course they would. Do they, do they get a lot of online abuse and do they talk about it? Let me put it to this way. Again, it wouldn't worry them in the slightest. But, but because they're, they're tough enough and they know, they know what it's all about. But, but, but coming back to the whole idea of, and I don't want to be personalising it on, on, on Mr. Cowan, but take an, an example of, because he was a public figure, but that, that Mr. Cowan unfortunately is ill. And to think that people think that it would be acceptable to say derogatory things about a person when they're ill, I just think that's beyond belief. And I think that we, as, as a respectful society, we should be saying we are not going to accept it. Now, you might say to me, what do I mean by that? Well, number one, it should be socially abnormal for somebody to put something like that up on Facebook, something that's not nice or that's not pleasant. If the people have nothing good to say, what they should do is say, say nothing. nothing at all. And but have you any awesome. understanding of why people think it's okay to engage in this kind of online abuse? I'll tell you why. Because they're so bitter and twisted because of the fact that they're doing nothing with their own lives. They think that it's okay to go online and say these dirty type of things and use bad language and be, be, be horrible, quite simply because they have nothing better to do. And I really mean this. If they had anything normal to do, and I'm not saying that they should be out at 6 o'clock in the morning picking stones or, or, or you know, knocking down a tree. I'm not saying that. If they're not fit for work, if they're not able to work, and if they're too useless to do anything, or for some other reason they can't, or not, are not able to, that's fine. But go away and do something nice for themselves. Like I said on the late late show, carry the dog for a walk. Go away and make friends with somebody if they're friends with nobody and interact, socialise. They can go for a walk in, in a wood. They can they can do voluntary work. Join your they local can, tidy towns group uh, and get out know, there and clean up the area. 
you're in the series. I swear to God, I was just going to say, could they go out with the local Katie Jones? <laughs> who are, who, who are great. Productive. And you but, know, Michael, sadly, this kind of bullying, and let's call it for what it is, because it is is bullying, it can really affect and get to people. And we, and I, certainly on this programme, I have spoken with family members who have lost loved ones. They've taken their own lives because of this online abuse. Yes. And my goodness, did we ever think or did our grandparents ever think that that society would come to such a stage that people could go in a public way and, and announce horrible things about a person that's ill or that's dead or, or that there's something wrong with their lives? It just should not be allowed. And I really think that while modern technology is great, I think that the people who run social media outlets like this, I think they'll have to be a big major review of what's acceptable in the society. I know that we as legislators in Dalian, and I know you have to have this thin line of what is free speech and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Well, I certainly want to come out and say, I think it should not be acceptable. I don't think a person has the right to come on in a public way and say dirty, horrible, nasty things about a family, whoever that family, and my goodness, I don't care what politics there are. I don't care what governments they might have been in. Or it could be a TV presenter. Or it could be some person in a public life or, or a private life. And that a person would have the right to come out and say nasty and degrading things. I just don't think that's acceptable. And I think we should all come out and we should be saying, no, we're not going to tolerate it. And yes. If you want to take on somebody on a factual basis, like if there's people that want to ring up today and criticise what I'm after saying and say that I'm trying to, we'll say, hold back free speech. And if they want to go on your radio and say, well, I'm so-and-so, this is me, and I want to debate this. And if they want to bring me on the radio and pull stripes out of me or put me through my paces, that's perfectly acceptable. And that's a person's job. But when there's illness in a house, my goodness, the one thing that people can be is respectful and if you can't wish a person well, keep your mouth shut. And the message to these, what I would call not normal people, and they are listening to your radio today, and the message is to you horrible, nasty people that were up all night last night that you probably won't hear this because you're stuck inside it with your eyes closed, wasting your life away. But if you are away and if you are listening to this, for God's sake, turn your life around. Try to do something productive because your time on this earth will come to an end. And what will what will legacy will you leave after you? Or that you were the person who used to go on, on the, 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 the social media, night, yeah. on social media, saying horrible things about people you didn't even know. Okay. All right. If you've nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Michael, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Kerry Dole, Deputy uh, Independent Michael Healy Ray. Okay. A lot of commentary coming in. Eddie in Mahan. I've no problem people having a go off Brian Cowan, but his family should be kept out of it. He chose public life, but his family don't deserve all of this and seeing what's been said online. Joan says Brian Cowan was a good man. He was the man who brought back all the pensions and they cut the tax on disability services. But people seem to forget the good that the man did as well. They're only focusing on the bad. Anthony in Mill Street, I listened to your texter saying 
how some were not affected by the downturn. I think everyone was affected by the downturn, no matter who you were or what you were doing, whether you were work or not. Yes, I suffered, my friends suffered, but I wouldn't wish Brian Cowan or any politician bad wishes, particularly when they're ill. Kicking a man when he's down is no sign of a good human being. If someone does wrong, fine, but leave it at the door, particularly when people are seriously ill in hospital. Dermot and Carrigaline, I agree with Michael Healy Ray. Technology has advanced, but I think this technology shows the real hatred that's in our society that has always been there. And now people have the forum to express it. It's not that humans have suddenly changed. People always had that attitude, but now they're able to share it on social media. Marion Formoy says, can social media platforms not be controlled like mainstream media? Why can anyone write anything about somebody on social media site and get away with it, which is what is currently happening. If I say something to someone to their face, I get a solicitor's letter, yet online they seem to be able to do what they like. Where is the control? And hi, Patricia, this is by WhatsApp. I think we have to separate the man from the office. I'm surprised at the reaction of the people to his current situation and to his ill health. Irish people have always been very charitable. Please spare a thought for his young family. He himself is a very young man. Patricia, this is from someone who has never been a Fianna Fáil supporter. Just a woman trying to put myself in his wife's shoes. Thanking you. Um, that's WhatsApp to 0862103103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Been getting some calls in this morning about water problems and water outages in the Woodview Drive area of Mallow. We've just been on to Irish Water and they tell us there is a burst water main in the area. Repairs are ongoing and it will affect supplies to the Woodview Drive area of Mallow and the surrounding areas until about five o'clock today. But they're working to restore that burst water main in the Woodview Drive area of Mallow. Now, we have been receiving some calls to the programme from listeners warning about deer ending up on public roads and the possibility of the animals causing accidents. Well, Michael O'Sullivan is in Castletown Bear. He was one of the people who contacted us and he joins me with a story of a near miss that happened to him last week. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Is the sun shining Good. in Castletown Bear today? A glorious morning. I'm here in the city. Even the darkness is full up this morning. Is it glorious? Lovely place oh, to be in the sunshine, I tell you. Absolutely, yeah. Now, yesterday, you... Yesterday, I was back in front of the cable car and the droves that were in the Dose were unbelievable. There were about 60 or 70 cars at, at there. Oh, it was the heat, the sun. Oh, everything was at the ice cream. You name it, everything was there. Fantastic. So there's a lot of tourists around. Yeah. A lot of tourists around. Before we go on about the deer, Brian Cowan, I think that was the most disgusting thing how anybody could lower themselves to that standard to go affecting a a hideous person when they're practically in their deathbed. That is, that is utterly... Disgusting. Okay, well, we don't I, we don't know I, how how unwell he is, but um, but but yeah, you know, regardless of your policies, regardless of your politics, exactly, yes, exactly, the yes, man yes. is unwell, and and I, he is. Yes. I was even my politics, but I've got friends in Saint Peter Pond, Saint Gabriel, the whole lot of them. But things I don't agree with, and policy, and that's a different thing. I wouldn't agree with my own brothers and policies, my own sisters and policies, you know. But uh, that that kicking a person when they're down. 
just not on. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Okay. Yeah, tell me now. Tell me what happened to you last week. Where were you driving? Firstly, uh, I was driving back from Cork. Well, actually, you know, I go to Mallow every Sunday. Every Sunday, dancing back every Sunday night. Coming home every Sunday night. On the average, I would meet. On the worst night, I would meet anything up to twenty, twenty-five deal between Kinmail and 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 Tassel. Twenty. Okay. Twenty, twenty-five. Yes, job. But when you are coming around the South Bridge and come there, you 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 meet them. In two lot, you know, I know. You could meet them in twos. You could meet them in four or fives. You could meet them in matches. I remember one of them was coming, and I ran to a shot of him, and a stag came and jumped across me, and he he dented my bonnet. But luckily, that I was able to get it uh, sucked out, but they didn't have to cost me a new bonnet. After another friend of mine, uh, who was a mechanic, and he lost a wing and a headlamp. It cost him a thousand euro, and he did it himself. Uh, several, several, several near missed with him. But on, on the on the Friday night, I was coming back from Cork, and uh, just came around the slow bend, and there was three deer coming towards me on the run, and I went one way. They they followed me. I went one way to avoid them. They followed me back again, and. I eventually wound up hitting the, hitting the hitting the pinch, and it cost me. But if somebody asked me where did the deer go, I said, "Be Jesus!" So I never, I never got a chance to ask them where they were going. So you didn't, you didn't hit them. They, you swerved I, to I, avoid no, them. Nobody wants to hit anything. Nobody wants to yeah. hit anything. But but your your reaction straight away is to swerve to avoid something. I, so I so you so. ended up hitting the ditch. How much damage did you do to your car? It was a write off. It's a write off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, but, you're, but you're okay. Oh, God, I, thank God. Thank God. I only came over with just uh, two scratches uh, scratch in each hand and my knuckles. That's all. My God. They are bouncing off and everything. And, uh, and you're you know, ins- have you contacted your insurance company? Oh, God, it's all done and dusted. It's Is all it? done and dusted. Yeah. It's all done and dusted. But it comes off your insurance? Oh, it does, yes, yeah. Of course, yeah. But they see, uh, you see, know, the one thing, uh, Trish, is that there's multiple forests maturing now throughout the Bear Peninsula and throughout the country. And they have plenty of places now to hide. They're travelling more. The deer are travelling more. I even met them out here in Carmore of one day uh, coming up to one o'clock and they come up where people who know the water or here in Carmore at uh, one o'clock in the day. You know? And is that and, unusual uh, to see them at that hour of the day? Oh, well, good Lord it is. Like, yeah. The only place that I ever seen there was when I went to Ballyfin uh, as a student many many moons ago. There, there was a couple of hundred deer there in the forest and in the domain till they were long to the, the college. Other than that, no way. You see, my see them in the Phoenix Park. I used to see them in the park when you go over to London. But a regular feature now, because as I say, they're able to they're able to move about uh, from. Forest to forest because they thrive really on, on the bark of trees. They're more nocturnal than, than in the daytime. You won't see them in the daytime. Apparently, the, there was a forest here below me and uh, uh, of 70 acres and to, uh, 40 acres and it was cut there recently by the forest here. And uh, they, were, they were inside that because every night the football pitch beside it was full of deer. So I've never actually seen them, but Phyllis have told me. You know? Who... who are the deer the responsibility of the National Parks and Wildlife Service? They are, yes. You see, they, you see, they, all, they, they don't want to call them. They carry over them. 
I now later from the deer, you know. And the thing is, Trish, they will be there on the side of the road. And they can swing from a standstill. They often feel to, uh, when they cross my, my screen. But not often, I tell you, I'm not right there. A few times I'm going to cross my screen late. Yeah, they're thick and they're, they're, like some of the stags can be up to 200 yeah. kgs. They're huge animals. Massive, 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 massive. That night that I hit the stag that he put my bonnet uh, in, uh, four days in from there, you know, and he, he got off and he, he, he carried on and let the shake out of him. But do you think now something needs to be done? Oh, definitely, yeah. And more signage. There's no signage. There is no signage anywhere. To, just to warn people that absolutely, yeah, there absolutely. may be deer on the road. It's, it's not going to look. It's uh, never in my life did I see the name eating anything like that. But you see, I came back in that area around the Abergal area, you know, as I say, there are forests maturing everywhere, and, and that's and, adding to it. But aren't is, aren't yeah. we told that we need to be planting more trees for our uh, climate? I know, I know, I know that. Yes, I know that, but. Uh, not the type of trees that they are planting, that's what it is, and what it is talk, but uh, to, to get the carbon out of the air. Uh, but they, we know that, but uh, they should be able to call, they won't call, they should call more. It's like, I think you were Don Healy on there recently about the, about the seals. Yeah. And, and, and the fishing. Yeah. So, the poor fishing, the seals of them, it, it wouldn't. But, as, but as soon as you it. mention a call, you yeah. have you, as soon as you mention the word "call," you have yeah. animal rights activists straight away. Straight immediately, away. immediately. Away. Yeah. yeah All right. Away. Okay, I'm over on time, and your your line is starting to fade slightly. So I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for that, Michael, and good to know no, that you're okay. But a word of warning to people, particularly if you're down around the Beira Peninsula, be careful. There seems to be a lot of deer out and about. Can I stay with an animal for a moment? Because uh, Tom is a tourist in the area. And he was travelling on the R577. That's between Bally Desmond and Dramock yesterday. And his black and white female border collie jumped out of the car and has now gone missing. And as Tom is a tourist in the area, his female border collie is a tourist to the area, doesn't know the area, not going to be able to make its way home, for example. The collie is wearing a red collar and you could contact us here at the radio station if you've come across that dog. So if anybody spotted since yesterday, maybe somebody picked up that dog, Bally Desmond, between Bally Desmond and Dramock on the R577. Can you keep a lookout for a black and white female border collie wearing a red collar? It will be nice to get it back to the tourists in the area whose holiday obviously has been ruined now while they're out searching for the dog's safe return. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Noreen, who sent in a lovely text to say thank you for the Hall Notes tickets. My hobby thoroughly enjoyed the gig in the marquee last night. Huge crowd and a great atmosphere. Thanks again, says Noreen. I had some friends of mine actually who were at it because I saw them posting up on social media yesterday. And of course, that was the last gig for the Live of the Marquee season for this year. So we're going to have to wait now for 2020 for next year to, and it's been a great great season and um, I think everyone I didn't I heard very little negative commentary 
about Live at the Marquee. Everybody really seemed to have enjoyed the gigs and what a way to end with that uh, Hall and uh, Oath. So uh, good that you enjoyed the concert at Noreen and uh, no doubt others at it as well. It's, and it's great when there's a huge crowd and a great atmosphere and people really enjoying the songs. And of course, we all know so many of the big hits from Hall and Oath. Thank you for your text. I really appreciate it. Uh, 1850 333 103. We will be giving away more tickets later on. This time we've hooked up with the Everyman because this summer the Everyman are presenting the Odd Couple from Tony Award winner Neil Simon. It runs from July 16th until August 17th and we have tickets to get you to the Wednesday the 17th show so tomorrow week and we've two pairs of tickets to give away every day this week and on Friday just because it's a Friday we're giving away the tickets and each of our winners will also be getting a bottle of bubbly to enjoy on the, on the night which is which is terrific but we will call you we will in the next hour give you three names three couples one of them will be the odd one and you've got to work out which is the odd couple's one that's not meant to be together and if you guess the correct odd couple will have two winners heading off to see the odd couple in the Everyman tomorrow week um the 17th of July, half past seven, by the way. The show starts each night. William Bandon was on to us to say he was watching the news last night and the Taoiseach was asked about the number of Navy ships. How many Navy ships do we have in this country? And he didn't know when he was asked. And it seems the Defence Minister, I'll never put the Taoiseach, even though the Taoiseach should be across all of his brief, but the fact that the Defence Minister didn't know and it seemed the others, according to William Bandon, didn't know. Straightforward question. How many Navy ships do we have in this country? And William is wondering if we open the phone lines this morning to any TDs or councillors listening, would any of them straight off the top of the head be able to tell us how many Navy ships we have in this country? Well, I think they would now because, of course, it's since uh, come out because following a discussion that was had in the Dáil, uh, a spokesperson for the Taoiseach came out yesterday evening and said the Irish Naval Service has nine vessels, one of which is in refit. Two others are going in for maintenance. The crews will be redeployed from the vessels that are going into maintenance, obviously heading into dry dock. So the the staff will come off those, the crew, and they get redeployed onto the other six. So six will be fully uh, crewed at, at any, when, when they're out at sea. But the teacher also pointed out it's never the case that all nine vessels are at sea at the same time. And I think that goes back to, wasn't there a discussion that we don't have enough crew for all of the vessels that we have? And then I think it led to, well, how many vessels do we have? Oh, well, nobody seems to really know. Well, we have nine, but it's never, but we don't have enough crew obviously, to staff nine vessels. I think that's what the Taoiseach is intimating when he says it was never the case that all nine vessels will be at sea at the same time. And we have a huge problem in retaining staff for the across all of the Defence Forces. It's just not just uh, the Navy. We also have it with the Army uh, as well. So nine is the answer to that particular question. 1850-333-103. And I still see we're getting in calls about, about Brian Cowan. Just to wrap up on some of those, Frankie Kinsale says, those people that are giving out about Brian Cowan, why are those same people not slating the builders who broke the country? Many of the builders walked away owing millions and have now come back into business and are building again. Why not go after those people instead of somebody who is ill? But Frank, probably the same people who are trolling online are probably trolling the builders as well. I'm assuming it's not just Brian Cowan and the politicians that they are actually picking on. Uh, the Mallow, the girls from Mallow want, want to wish Brian Cowan all of the best. 
West while by text Eileen out on Bear Island said for God's sake would people have a little bit of respect please let he without sin cast the first stone it must be wonderful to be that perfect says Eileen out on beautiful Bear Island and Michael raises a different point but he says what really annoys him is when a son or a daughter gets into trouble and all over the papers it'll be who the father is or who the mother is if it's somebody well known. Michael thinks thinks that's very unfair and you probably have a good point and that is true if you've got the son or daughter of somebody famous from whatever world that they're famous in you know be it that they're famous for being politicians or be it that they're famous for being artists musicians singers writers whatever it is you will see that if somebody gets into trouble and that is a bit unfair it's both unfair um the son or daughter, and we're talking about adult son or daughter, but is it not also unfair on the parent? I mean, if the son or daughter does something wrong, why does the parent have to be implicated or are linked to it by default just because they gave birth to the person? So yeah, you could have a point on that, uh, Michael, and I, and I don't know how and um, would we ever see that stopping. 1850 Can I go back to the match, the two matches that are on at the weekend and the commentary where people are saying it's very harsh very expensive that the GAA have decided to schedule the two senior men's teams to play on two separate days in Croke Park the footballers on Saturday the hurlers on Sunday where people saying most ordinary GAA loving families simply will not be able to afford the trip to Dublin for two days in a row a number of people including a WhatsApp are saying Trish why can't the hurling game be played in Thurles on the Sunday versus the Kilkenny hurling team. I'm sure the Kilkenny hurlers would agree to it as well. And John says both games should be on in Thurles because he says quarterfinals of all Ireland's are always in in Thurles. And that's from John. So he really can't understand why both of these matches are going on in Dublin. They should both be on in Thurlis. 1850 333 103. And a listener says they were out in Donnerill Park yesterday evening and a lady arrived to let her two red setters loose and to have a good old run around the park. This listener says, I have no problem with that, but... And you know what the bus is and you know what's coming. One of the red setters left a big poo and the owner just walked away, saw it, had to have seen it, didn't do anything to pick it up and just left it behind. Most disgusting, says this uh, texter. So I don't know how many, uh, would it be great if the person is listening, have you two red setters and were you out in Donnerell Park exercising your dogs? And it's a beautiful place to bring your dogs for an exercise. But if you're planning on going back there again, maybe this evening, because it's a lovely day today, would you please bring plastic bags with you and clean up after your dogs? You were spotted walking away from the scene of the crime uh, yesterday. 1850 Now, just to something completely different, listen says, Patricia, good morning. On your show recently, you spoke about the exchanging of a UK driver's licence for an Irish one. Is this service free? I only ask because I've been quoted a charge of €55 yesterday and a possible fine if I'm caught driving once I've surrendered my UK licence. Can you clarify, uh, please? Yes, I was talking about exchanging UK driver's licence and we're actually running ads at the moment. I think it is the Road Safety Authority. We're running ads telling people that if you are living in this country and you're driving around your UK driver's licence, which you've been quite entitled to do uh, because of Brexit looming, you need 
to change your driving licence ASAP. The Road Safety Authority say the UK driving licence and that includes a driving licence that you may have acquired in Northern Ireland. You must exchange it for an Irish licence and you need to do it before the 31st of October 31st of October is the important deadline because if on that date there is a no deal Brexit after that date if you're living in Ireland your UK driving licence will no longer be valid for driving here. People who don't apply before the 31st also then will face lengthy delays in exchanging the licence after the 31st because even if there is a deal You would like to think if there's a deal, the driver's licence will in some way be incorporated in it, but there could be a very, very lengthy delay if there's suddenly a flood of people wanting to exchange their uh, licences. In order to exchange a licence, you have to fill out an application form and present it. And our listener is right, it isn't free. There is a €55 fee. And you present it along with your UK licence and you go into any of the National Driving Licence Service centres, the NDLS. Um, They also cannot guarantee when you will have your valid licence to drive in Ireland, but they're trying to process them as quickly as possible. But they are afraid that there's going to be a massive rush if there is a crash out Brexit on the 31st. It basically will mean you won't be able to drive in your UK licence and that's going to lead to lengthy delays after the 31st. So you really need to get working on that. Actually, so like a lot of people have have heeded the warnings as about 30,000 UK licences have already been exchanged for Irish, Irish driving licence this year. Now, the piece at the end of the text about you not being able to drive or if you're caught, you could be fine because you will, will you'll have surrendered your UK driving licence and you'll be driving without uh, a licence. We discussed that before and what we, if my memory serves me right, when you hand in your licence, you will get a note back from the NDLS saying that you've surrendered your licence and that you're waiting on your licence to come back. It's a little bit like when an Irish person, when their driving licence runs out. I mean, mine, I think it was last year, I had to renew my my driver's licence and I ended up getting the new credit card one. So I had to go into the National Driving Licence Service Centre and I had to surrender my old one while I waited for my new one to uh, come back. But I got a note and the man who I dealt with in the LDLS centre said to me, if you stop by the guards and they look for the licence, you just show them the piece of paper. So I'm assuming the very same thing happens for somebody from the United Kingdom when they hand in the licence. You'll get a piece of paper saying that your licence has been surrendered and you're waiting on your new one to arrive. I don't know how long, I don't know what the backlog is like. Maybe we can throw it out to any listeners lately. Has anybody gone into the National Driver's Licence Centre, the NDLS Centre, in the last week or two? How long did you wait for your Irish licence to arrive? But it's not a free service. It was never a free service. There was always a charge on it. That €55 charge, I'm assuming, is the same charge, isn't it? If you're going... You were renewing an Irish licence. I'm assuming it's the very same uh, charge. Uh, but if anybody can tell us if there's a waiting list, if there's a backlog at the moment, how long did you wait to get your new your new licence? Eighteen. But you'll have to do it, and I, I would get working on it sooner uh, rather than later. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. C one zero three jobs. 
Baker Finn are looking for a fully qualified accountant it's to work in their East Cork offices. While a full-time maintenance technician is wanted, it's for Reliance Precision. They're based in Bandon. A skilled labourer is required for work in the Mitchellstown area. Experiencing carpentry or steel, please. And a full-time play school assistant and a part-time after-school assistant wanted for work in the League area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Just on what we were discussing in the last hour about deer and there seems to be an increased number of deer out on the road, particularly in the, out on the Bearer Peninsula. Noreen in McCroom says we, uh, it's not just the Bearer Peninsula, we have deer constantly crossing the road between Hartnett's Cross and Toombs Bridge. They are increasing in number year on year. There's a small wood near Slavine East in McCroom. And obviously that's where the deer are living. And many drivers have got quite a fright when they're crossing the roads there. People need to be extremely careful because as I was saying, it's not just in the rutting season. It seems to be happening all year round. 1850-333-103. Now, concerns have been raised about a shortage of graveyard plots in a number of towns across West Cork with independent councillor Danny Collins now saying there's a genuine worry among local people. Councillor Danny Collins joins me. Good morning to you, Danny. Morning, uh, Good you're, morning you're listening. You're, now, I take it this issue didn't happen overnight. How long have you been concerned about graveyard plots in West Cork? Well, to be quite honest, it really came to my attention when I was um, canvassing the areas of Skull and Glengarriff when I went to the doors of people and people came out to me and said, Danny, do you know the concern we have here in Skull or Glengarriff is the lack of graves and where will we be buried if we pass away in years to come? So I did a bit of investigating into it and um, I find out that there's only about half a dozen, six graves left in Glengar. And at the moment, after last week, there's only two graves in Skull. And since my motion, um, I found out since um, there, I don't know the exact amount, but in Skibbereen as well, there's a, a, a severe lack of them as well uh, coming along. Are people buy, buying plots in advance or is that a, are people allowed to do that? No, not at the moment. Um, it's, you, know, you buy like when you, when you pass away. Um, either the the undertaker, uh, you approach the undertaker and he does it for you, or um, or you, you go to your local authority and, and buy um and buy the grave when when you pass away. Well, your family, of course, will have to do this, but. Um, I do know maybe a number of years ago you you could you could buy a yeah in, um, you could in, buy a plot you could buy a family plot you could buy a family plot but to the best of my ability our knowledge now that that is not happening and that's because of lack of plots of uh, lack of availability are the council officials actively trying to buy sites for new graveyards in the areas they, you've mentioned they are yes um, they are but what what's happening here really is they're not su- um, finding suitable um, ground to buy um, plots. Like a plot has to be like this. Where I see where regulation is too severe, um, a plot has to be over eight feet in depth, basically, and grounded. We're saying in Garth, which they have looked at, and in Skull, this is not suitable for um, graveyards. They're saying, but um, look, and now they're coming up with the. They did mention the idea of having a regional um, graveyard, which meaning like um, having one. We say central in. We say Cork, West Cork. We say Dunmanway or Clonakilty. And um, that that the ground be suitable there, and that they turn it into a regional graveyard. That's not going to work. No, no, it's 
and it's a people thing, will. Uh, I mean, you could open a regional graveyard, but I, I can't see many families agreeing to have their loved ones buried there. No, I, I, this, this, this can't work. Like, you just, just, just take it there. Like, as I said, you from Skull West, West Crookhaven, like, there's no graves. Oh, well, there's only two left in Skull, but west of west of Skull, then back to Goalie in Crookhaven, there's no graves whatsoever left. And so, a person from, we say, Crookhaven passes away. Are they supposed to be buried in 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 Clannacilty um, or the Manway, which is forty maybe forty forty five miles away? This can't happen. Like you know, people want to visit their loved ones Absolutely. that pass away. Absolutely, maybe and, and 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 you also have that people wanting to be buried with their own. I mean, we all have that. There's almost comfort in that, and and the older generation certainly want to go into graves and be be near graveyards where their parents are, their grandparents, their great grandparents are. Yes, this is happening, and they want to be with their neighbours, friends, relations. Yeah, you know, in the same area, and like it's a bit of comfort for them, as you said, like to be buried in that in the area where they came from, where they were maybe born and raised. But like the situation as well, in like St. Garfield Skull, you have a lot of people moving to the area. We say retiring to the area and falling in love with say with Skull or Glengarriff or Skibreen, and they want they. they they feel home there. That's their home, and that's where they're 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 being buried now. Like they could have moved from Dublin or Galway or different places, and and that's that's where they're moving to. Okay, go back to this suitable ground, and it ha- it having to be eight foot deep. Could that not be relooked at? I've asked that question, and I've yet to wait, wait for an answer for it. But um, I said this could be a national regulation. Um. But it, it really has to be looked at now because this is getting a major concern. Like, as one lady said to me there on my canvas, she said, Danny, am I going to be buried in my front garden? <laughs> I, said, I said, hopefully not. I said, and I said, look, I will bring it up as a motion, which I have. And no, um, they have been working on it. But I like I kind of said, if they went to, we said, the Skull Community Council or the Goalie Community Council, who might have, who is the members of this um, group might, might have um, ideas of plots where they're available. You know, working with the people on the ground is, a, is a, a big way of getting things done. So that's what I've called them. So that's what they're going to do now. Maybe write this different time. We say the Glengarriff Development Association or we say Scholar Goleen Community Councils and ask them for, for their ideas. Do they don't have any suitable plots? And hopefully we will get a um, solution out of it then after that. You see, when these national regulations come in on paper, they seem like a, a great idea. But it's when you try and bring in a national Regulation that was probably signed off in Dublin, and you're trying to put it into play in a local area. It's then you realise it doesn't work. But the powers that be who set up these regulations, bec- like everything, yeah, it's just it's red tape that just annoys the life out of people. Because I'm assuming it was suitable ground for the other, the existing graveyards, yes, but now like, just suddenly because they've invented this new regulation, they can't find suitable ground. That's basically it, and that's where, and that's what we're, the um, predicament now we're stuck in. And like it's like every other thing there that's happened over the years, it's all done above in Dublin. There's no common sense prevails at all for we say areas such as rural areas such as um, Skull, Dungar, Goleen, you know, Skibreen. Like you know, they just they're not they're not thinking outside the box, and this this is what's basically happening, um, Patricia. And it's bad enough that elderly people are worried about who's going to look after them as they get older and they might be able to get a home care package or they might be able to get a home help uh, to, to, to look after them. But now there's some of them, we actually will have some people listening to this programme who are worried about where they're going to be buried. Yes, but um, since, since my motion, like, uh, they had, a lot of people have come to me and spoke to me since and 
I've got a few ideas of um, from different people of where suitable plots could be for we say for Skull, the Skull area, yeah, and 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 the Glengarriff area. I even spoke to one gentleman from Glengarriff the other day who who gave me an idea of a certain piece of land if there was a little bit of um, work done on it. So look, I'm going to go back to the council, say look, have a look at this. Will we go down this road? But like the one thing I won't be agreeing to is having a regional a regional graveyard in West Cork. And uh, I, I, I'll be totally um, voting against that if it ever came up in, in um, council level. Oh, well, I think they can open it, but I can see very few people being been buried in it. And do you find, Danny, that the majority of people still want the traditional funeral? And while cremation is available, uh, and, and we have a fabulous crematorium here in Cork, it's, it's still not as popular, particularly with the older ge- generation, Therefore, we'll always have a need for graveyards. Yeah, we'll always have for for many years to come. Like cremation is is getting getting a little bit popular, like we, um, every year. But look, still, you you have a look at RIP um, any day. We'd say I would say ninety ninety five percent of the the burials they're all burials yeah. compared to cremations. But um, like you know, it's it's as you said, it's traditional. Yeah, and people people want to be buried with their loved ones. I, as you said, we have a great um, facility in Cork for, for cremation. But look, still we have to keep we have to look out for um, a new graveyard in these areas. Make sure like people have a rest of mind and that they can be buried there. Okay, just while we're on the topic of cemeteries and graveyards and burials, Annie in Skibbereen contacted us to say she was stunned when she went into the graveyard in Skibbereen this morning. The grass is very overgrown. So the grass is actually out on the footpath. So it looks very messy. There's also a strong smell of sewerage, she says, coming from the nearby uh, treatment plant. Is uh, Councillor Danny Collins aware of that? Do you know anything about, the firstly, the cutting of the grass at the graveyard in Skibbereen? Well, I don't in Skibbereen. I was contacted about um, a graveyard back in um, Kilcaskin and Adjigal there a couple of weeks ago. And I will say fair play to the local engineer down in Caston Bear and his staff. They acted on it within a week and a perfect job was on it. That was part of my motion as well last week. Part of my motion was that um, caretakers be taken on for different areas to cover um, um, graveyards in different areas. That was part of my motion. And like, you know, I do see it happening. Even I got a text last night from a lady about uh, the graveyard in Germany, and which I'd be sending an email to the. the Are you there? We've lost you. Okay, we were wrapping it up anyway. Okay. Um, okay, his phone line is gone. Um, and uh, we'll get back on and tell him to send, while he's sending off the emails, Annie will get him to send an email off to Skibbereen as well because it is the time of the year grass cutting and all of that and graveyards have to be properly maintained particularly for loved ones just completely out of respect when you're going in to visit a loved one you don't want to be faced with that the grass uh, very high and it it falling over onto the uh, pathway my thanks to uh, Councillor Danny Collins and we will keep um, we will keep an eye on this particular story and see how Danny gets on Uh, but I, I, I I really do agree with him I think this suggestion and this notion of having a regional facility like a central graveyard where people would have to travel then up to 20, 30, 40, 50 miles to attend a funeral or then to go back and visit your loved one. I just don't, I can't see people being happy to have a loved one buried that far away from home. As I said, people like to be buried with their people, which means having them buried uh, locally. We'll keep an eye on this story, uh, but something has to happen with only um, six 
plots left in Glengariff, two left in Skull and a similar shortage now emerging in uh, Skibbereen. Uh, something has to be done about it. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103 103. Actually, John Paul says he sent a call in, uh, some calls in this morning from some home helps in the North Cork area. Uh, some of them are pointing out that they have been home helps in Cork and Kerry have been working for the last 12 days in a row without a break which one of the home helps has pointed out to John Paul is illegal some are working from 7am to 7pm 12 hour days no breaks factored in and one is asking are the HSC a state body going to continue allowing this to happen many of us now are at burnout at this stage now I don't I know there was talks about changing the rosters and the way home helps uh, work and there and, and it was a lot of it was to do with some home helps were working weekends others were refusing to work home work weekends and it was seen as unfair so the whole idea there would be some kind of a rota system where it would be shared out and everyone would do their their fair share but working 12 days on the trot is that got to do with it's summertime people are on holidays is is that the reason I'm, I'm not too sure and I don't know if the home helps who contacted us this morning have got their union involved or not in the meantime as always when we get complaints like that in we with the home helps we're always caught in a tricky situation in that none of them are able to talk to us I don't know whether it's in their contracts or not but they're always fearful of speaking out for fear that it's going to come against them so we're always while John Paul off air will have everybody's name and number we're not allowed uh, we, we won't be ever saying on air who the person is but we'll get on to the HSC no doubt John Paul's already sent an email off to the HSC uh, to find out why why this group of home helps have been working 12 days in a row without a break and some working 7am to 7pm without breaks factored in uh, Seems like somebody working in a sweat factory, doesn't it? Somebody's been on to say when I was talking, when we had the call in from Annie saying that she was visiting the graveyard in Skibbereen yesterday and, and the grass uh, was really high. Somebody's been on to say, as we speak, the grass has been cut at the graveyard in uh, Skibbereen and the cutting times are before the 1st of June, the 1st of August and the 1st of October. So they're certainly late doing it this year with today being the 9th of July. But it's good to know that that has been sorted and the grass has been cut uh, there. And someone else, uh, some more texts coming in from people who were at the Hall and Oates concert who won tickets on the programme saying that they had a brilliant night had by all. Thank you for taking the time to contact us. 1850 The transition from sixth class to secondary school and then from secondary school to third level education can be a daunting experience for some. So to offer words of advice, I'm joined by a primary school teacher with a Master's in Health and Wellbeing who runs workshops to help young people make that transition as smooth as possible. Uh, Dorothy Scarry uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Dorothy. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. And I saw on your website that you're going around the country delivering workshops. Did they start from your own experience of getting your own sixth class students ready for first year? Is that is that where this all came from? Indeed, that's exactly, that was the organic route that, you know, in my own class, I was preparing them over the last five, six years, you know, each year. And I kind of saw the need grew and grew and the parents were very happy with me doing that. And um, they just, when you'd be talking to them, you know, their, their problems were real, you know, what was causing them stress about going and that just real anxiety and worry. They were at this one time so excited in one way, but at the same time, you know, there was anxiety and worry about their, you know, 
And um, yeah, I found it to be really successful. And then I was asked, would I roll it out in some schools in the Athlonars Common Area um, last May and June, just past, because um, I'm job sharing this year. I've started this kind of, you know, this well-being journey. Mm. And um, yeah, and, and, and then I just, you know, there was a need for it. So I've been, you know, I got calls from around the country and stuff. So I decided I would take it around well the done. country. <laughs> well done. And children, Dorothy, are also different. Who do you worry the most about? Is it the shy ones? Is it the less academic ones? Oh, it, Patricia, uh, what we say, it's not, uh, stress is, doesn't discriminate. It touches all. Um, it can be the child that is, 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 doing well academically can be the sporty child the sporty child may be stressed and worried and very anxious not sleeping because they have a final coming up the child that does well in tests may be putting additional pressure on themselves and 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 be worried about test scores um you know it's it's not it, there is no it's the child with special needs um you know additional needs in the classroom and um, they they can be suffering an awful lot with anxiety and worry just trying to keep up with their peers in their class and keep up appearances um, there's the child that is, um, you know, there might be difficulties at home, um, you know, might be uh, sick relatives, there could be um, parents separated, uh, pets pets dying, bereavement over pets can cause worry, you know what I mean, yeah, stress yeah. And, and brings all that mortality to the fore, um, you know, uh, homework uh, can cause stress, you know, a lot of homework, and these are what the kids have come up themselves with, you know, uh, so each child so experiences, I suppose, a well-being wobble, as I call it, in some time, um, no more than ourselves in our own lives. And I suppose good well-being is being able to take that, you know, stress on the normal stresses of life and having the resilience to deal with it and bounce back. Yeah, and, and it's having and the skills. The, having the, the, skills the skills which is problem solve. And that's the huge, um, I suppose, area that, that it needs to be developed now in with children, teenagers, young adults, for a long time, the psychology was there that everyone should be a winner and everybody should be, um, you know, there should be no, um, there was no problem solving. We as parents and as a society were solving problems because of our own past or whatever. And what has happened is now we have children going into, you know, into teenage, children into teenagers, teenagers into young adults that are unable to solve their own problems and be resilient. So this is a skill we need to to you know teach them and it's a very teachable skill and it's a very you know it, um, results are amazing i mean the the children that actually go to the workshops when they actually um you know th- there's power in sharing and supporting each other absolutely and absolutely they, and, and and i suppose as well when you think about it it's sixth class into first year so we're talking uh 12 year olds you have hormones as well kicking in at that age absolutely the hormones are kicking in and you know, there's bodily changes and they need to be taught about, you know, self-care is massive and uh, and that and how to actually be in tune, that it is normal and to actually, you know, I suppose some children come and people come from homes where it'll all be explained to them very clearly uh, and that and have an understanding of it. But it's a time where we need to be very careful with body image and that and also make sure that they're, um, I suppose, have a digital awareness as well of what um, is appropriate to share online and that that's a, it's a very influential age you know that yeah. kind of 11, okay. 12, Ch- talk me through what, what is the, what's the format of your workshops so um, the formats are broken into um, 
the, the, the workshop is broken into maybe uh, five sections, you know. So the first thing we look at is, you know, what is well-being and we discuss the World Health Organization uh, definition of it. 11, 12, 13 olds are well able for this and explain it in their language, um, you know, with, with, whether it's sport, whether it's at school, what's leading a uh, full, meeting your full potential, all of that, and explaining all that to them. And they're they're really brilliant at taking all that on board. And then we move on to looking at well-being levels, what causes them that stress, really what causes stress, uh, how, you know, the triggers for it, how stress, what stress looks like, and then how to solve them. And then we uh, look at secondary schools, the first week to five or two, so we look at everything from timetables to moving between rooms, lockers, lunches, healthy eating, teachers' personalities, uh, new friends, you know, how to make the initial steps, homework, you know, some well-being tips for, for dealing with homework so it doesn't, uh, you know, become a, a big thing. And awful lot of them are concerned that now suddenly they're going to have Friday homework because in primary school they don't get homework on Friday. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a, a simple it thing, but it's, it's a it, big it, worry and a big stress when you're 12. Uh, absolutely. And the same time as I said, Trisha, earlier in our conversation, the things that are worrying them are also partially exciting them, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the fact of getting new teachers, but at the same time for some that's causing stress. So it's, it's just you know, and then we do at the uh, we look at the power of you know being in control. That whole area of boundaries, digital awareness, the power of positivity, and building resilience skills. And then we finish up the workshop with them building their own personal well-being plan, where they measure themselves under you know the five ways to well-being, which the World Health Organization have are give, be active, take notice, keep learning, and connect. And so they measure themselves in those five areas. You know, I'm talking them through them. We have examples. We've been talking about this for like an hour and a half at this stage. And they measure themselves and then they make a plan for each well-being area going forward. What do they write down the well-being area? And then they make a plan. So the plan could be for, you know, for, for, um, Giving, we'll say, could be join a local club or do something kind for somebody, you know, simple things like that. Um, taking note of their environment, it could be just changing the colours in the room or having a digital detox or some mindful breathing. So all of those types of things. And um, yeah, it's really... It's, mm. uh, I, I and it's, 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 it's the students, it's, the, it's the, the, the students themselves. You don't have the parents involved in this workshop there. It's, it's the kids themselves. No, the parents are encouraged. You know, I've been asked, would I do some workshops yeah. for the parents, Patricia? Yeah, because cause my <laughs> next question was going to be, as parents, what can we do to help make yeah. that transition as smooth as possible? Because that's what we all want to do. We want to make sure that our children move on and that they're happy and that they're able to cope with it. You know, the simple things, I suppose, that are really going to be really important, and that's um, setting a, a routine and just, I suppose, be positive about the transition to, you know, even though you may have the fear has gripped you yourself and you may be under such, it's just be very positive about it, you know, keep those thoughts to yourself and 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 just be positive about the school transition. We've all done it. We've survived it. Um uh, setting routines, you know, and um, connect. It's very important to establish when the homework is done. And I, I can't reiterate this enough that basically, you know, if we work nine to five, the last thing we want to do is come in, eat your dinner, and sit down for two hours of the same work we've just left behind. So it's just to be mindful of that. To you know, between yourself and your child, to actually find a time that suits them to do their homework, and kind of encourage them. Yeah, they might have Irish homework. They get on Tuesday that isn't to be handed in until Friday. 
to not leave everything till the end and just mm. kind of establish that. A big, huge thing for me would be to encourage the healthy lunches. As a primary school teacher, majority, 90% of primary school uh, schools in the country have a healthy eating policy where there has been absolutely no crap allowed in lunch boxes, just pure nutrition, nutritionist food for the last, you know, eight years. And suddenly they go to secondary school. Yeah. They're given yeah. pocket money. The tuck shops, the sausage rolls, there is greasy food, you know, and all of that. And just to kind of maintain, you know, kind of some element of the healthy eating, that intervention has been there for the last eight years. So they've actually had a behaviour change and are eating healthy while they're at school. So not to reverse that healthy that healthy eating. I suppose sitting down and connecting with them from the very beginning, Patricia, is really important to talk to them, you know, listen to their stories about school, um, you know, their teachers, their friends, their foes. And, and know when there's something, because if you do that and set that passion up, sit down with the cup of tea beside them, you know, some days they'll want it, some days they won't, but kind of make it into the passion in the beginning. You'll notice if there is a change at all in, in, in their, in their passion of behavior, the relationships, where you'll be able to intervene and support them much faster. I suppose a sleep routine is really important, Patricia, as well. Um, you know, the amount of children, I, I talk to them and they go to bed at nine o'clock, but they're up in the room. They're gone to bed, but they're on their phones till maybe 11, half 11. We're talking about 11, 12, 13 year olds. And the fact of the matter is we can go to sleep. Um, we can put down our mobile phone at 11 o'clock, but it takes actually two full hours for our mind to actually, we can be asleep, but for our mind to, to switch rest, off. Yeah, completely. To switch yeah. off. We can be, the it's tech, not a, Listen, I've, I'm banging that drum for so long, get the technology out of the bedroom. And that's for everyone. Yeah. It's it's not just for children. It's for um, everybody. Okay. We have to, yeah. Okay, listen, I've, I, and you also run, you do a similar workshop for the older students heading from... Leaving certain uh, to third level. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, different uh, worries for them, different worries, different concerns. Different worries for them. Same kind of passionate workshop, looking at well-being, looking at stress, and then the first month of college, and also about digital awareness there and self-care and boundaries. There is a huge attrition rate for first year in college. You know, um, a lot of mental health um, issues developed, especially for females in the first year of college. And it's not the fact of um, being away from the actual physical building of the home. It's kind of the routine at home and the support from, you know, the parental support, the sibling support at home, all of those changes are an awful lot to deal with in that first couple of months. And it's really important that the well-being techniques there, that they have their well-being planned, that when they're feeling such a way, they know how to bounce back from it. And before it grips hold, I'm I'm always saying that the intervention, you know, just be aware of whatever, the intervention is crucial before the egg is cracked, is what, you know what I mean? Good piece of advice. Okay, it's, um, your your workshop sounds fascinating and you are coming to Cork. um, Yeah, coming to Cork on August 15th. Okay. Uh, We're going to be in the Maldron Hotel. Um, we're going to run the workshop for the sixth class going into first year and then um, the other workshop later in the afternoon for the, the young adults moving from Leaving Search College. And um, it can be booked on uh, www.nextstepforward.ie and the tickets are available on Eventbrite. Um, ne- nextstepforward.ie. And how yeah, much are the tickets? Like, uh, the tickets are for the two-hour workshop, but okay. I'd like to offer your listeners um, for the week if they'd like um, a code, a special code for 25% off if when they go on the, the event bright, the code is C103. Um,
C103. All right, listen, yeah. good luck with it, um, uh, Dorothy, and thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Dorothy Scarry there who runs those workshops on resilience and the best of luck to anybody listening who has a son or daughter who's making that transition from sixth class into first year are the bigger step from leaving home and heading into college. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I quickly do a scam alert for fear that I forget it? And I'm always appreciative of people who try to alert us to any new scam that's doing the rounds so that we can share it with other people in the hope that nobody gets caught. And this is to do with, I haven't seen this one before, but it's people getting a text message saying that they have a delivery. And it looks like it has come from on post. Now, obviously, it doesn't. It just says post if you look at, look at it. But if you look at it, when I looked at it quickly, I said, oh, that does look like this from on post. So you might think that you have a that you you have a parcel or that on post might have called while you were out and tried to deliver a package. And obviously, they're trying to get you to click on a link. And God knows if you click on the link, what will happen? So just delete, delete, delete as always. And thank you to the listener who sent in that text and then uh, also sent in a copy of the message to us so that we could take a look at it. Uh, We appreciate that. Okay, now the Everyman and the Odd Couple. We have two pairs of tickets to give away. This summer the Everyman is presenting the Odd Couple from Tony Award winner Neil Simon. It runs from July 16th to August 17th and we have tickets to get our listeners to go see the Odd Couple on Wednesday the 17th of July. I'm going to give you three couples, one of which will be an odd couple in that they shouldn't be together. And you've got to work out which one is the odd couple. Caller 9 and caller 10 to get through to John Paul at 1850 333 And our three couples today, Biddy and John, Brian O'Driscoll and Amy Huberman, Bono and Ali Hewson. So which is the odd one out? Biddy and John, Brian O'Driscoll and Amy Huberman, Bono and Ali Hewson. One of those is the odd couple. Let us know who the odd couple is, please, by dialing 1850-333-103. If you're caller 9 and caller 10, you'll each win a pair of tickets to the odd couple going along on Wednesday, the 17th of July at half past seven at the Everyman. And we're doing much the same every day this week leading up to Friday when Friday's winners will get their tickets but they'll also get a bottle of bubbly to enjoy. Compliments are good friends at the Everyman. Get dialing on that. And while that's going through, let me take a look at some of your calls coming into the programme. By the way, somebody from the Home Help was back on just to point out when we're talking about people working a 12-day shift without a break and I thought, was it to do with overtime? Was it to do with staff on holidays? Perhaps it's not. It's to do with the new roster whereby all home helps must work every second weekend so if you start your shift on a Monday and it leads into the work weekend where you're due to work that means you'll work 12 days in a row before you'll get a break some of the hours can be from 7am to 7pm that's not to say that it's 7am to 7pm every day but some of them can be without breaks factored in and what home helps are telling us on the lines some of them are facing burnout. Sib2 I mentioned are the union aware they are aware of it and they're fighting their corner. Uh, what is making home helps angry is that other counties have sorted out this situation but it's still under negotiation I'm assuming between the unions and the powers that be at the HSE hasn't been sorted out in Cork and Kerry yet but the unions are working on it. Okay thank you for that and 
disappointing to hear that we've got home helps facing burnout. 1850 333103. Michael and Skibbereen is on about the smell of sewerage. Now this came into us when Annie was talking about the grass needed to be cut in the graveyard in Skibbereen. We've since discovered that's been sorted out in that as we speak the grass has been cut but she also said there was a very strong smell of sewerage and when people are going to to the graveyard to visit loved ones it isn't nice to be in there with this very strong smell of sewerage and Annie was saying that it has come I thought firstly that it was was someone spinning silage or something and uh, she said no that it's coming from the, uh, the new treatment plant which is which is located obviously near the cemetery. Michael and Skibbereen was... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, um, I to say Annie is right. There's an awful smell of storage in Skibbereen. The new system was installed two years ago, but he says it depends on what way the wind is blowing. You'll get a very strong smell of sewerage in the town or else it can be over the graveyard, as Annie has said. He also makes the point that Cork County Council are going around inspecting septic tanks, but they're not sorting out their own system, that that needs to be looked at. I mean, any of those treatment plants, do they always smell? Do you, are you always going to get a smeller? Because I know when we did our feature on septic tanks and somebody rang in and said their next door neighbour's septic tank was stinking to high heaven and our expert was saying from the EPA well there's something wrong with that septic tank because you shouldn't be getting any smell from it. Do I take it it's the same as a treatment plant or is that just part of it that there's always going to be a smell at a treatment plant? Are others in Skibbereen noticing since the new treatment plant went in that there's a particularly strong smell of sewerage and pending on where the wind is blowing, it'll depend whether you're in the line of it uh, or not. 1850-333-103. I can see some people texting in the answer to our competition. We're not doing it by text. We might do it by text tomorrow, actually, for the odd couple. Today with the odd couple, it's John Paul is taking calls at 1850-333-103. Someone else has been on saying, uh, Patricia, could you get on to... 
or has anyone been on to you from the medical centre in Formoy? The reason why this listener has contacted us. All the doctors are based upstairs. I'm t- I take it this is a primary healthcare facility and all of the doctors are based upstairs. But the problem is, according to this listener, the lift has been out of order for at least the last six to eight weeks. It's shocking, says this listener, and it's certainly putting me off going there. And it, it'll, put a, it'll put a number of people off going there. If What if you don't physically have the ability to get upstairs? I mean, if you're in a wheelchair, you haven't... Well, well you can't get upstairs, obviously. If you're going to a doctor's practice, there will be a lot of new mums with babies in buggies will be using the lift as well. I'm, I'm sure they're being hugely inconvenienced. We're going to get on to the health centre in Formoy to find out why. I mean, look, lifts can break down. We all accept that and that can happen. And when it happens, it's a huge inconvenience. But to be broken down between six and eight weeks seems an excessively long period of ta- time. So we'll try, we'll send an email off and we'll see if we can try and find out what is the problem with the lift and when do they hope to have, have it uh, sorted out. 1850 I don't know if other people have been caught with that. And on driver's licence, remember I mentioned driver's licence and we hit the listener who needs to change from an English driver's licence to an Irish driver's licence and we and we're running ads from the Road Safety Authority and we're advocating to people and we've done interviews on it saying to people you need to switch over your English driver's licence, your UK driver's licence for an Irish one, which includes if you got your driver's licence in Northern Ireland, you have until the 31st of October because the big worry is that come the 31st of October, if there's a no-deal Brexit and if we've Boris Johnson in charge, it's looking very likely there could be a no-deal Brexit. It will mean that after the 31st of October, if you're living in Ireland, your UK driver's licence will no longer be valid to drive here and you don't want to end up in a situation where you don't have a driver's licence or encouraging people to go into their national driving licence service the NDLS and swap it's a sweet swap swap take a bit of time obviously there'll be form filling and they'll take a photograph and all of that and there's a charge it's 55 euro for the honour of doing it but please do it and do it before the 31st of October number of people have been on to us to say I changed my British licence for my Irish licence a month ago it took just over three weeks. Uh, €55 Euro is correct. That's the amount I was charged. And yes, you do get paperwork to let you know that your licence has been changed over in case you were stopped by the Gardaí. So people don't have to worry because somebody was, was worried that they were going to get fined if they got stopped because you're obviously you're surrendering your UK licence looking for an Irish licence. And that kind of went around... It was to me it was one of those urban myths but you know when somebody starts spreading a story saying oh you won't be able to drive while you're waiting for your new licence and then that gained legs and then people were saying oh I'll be weeks without a licence I live in a rural area I have to have my car and all of that and it was actually deterring some people from going and getting their licence so there's somebody confirming that you get a piece of paper you get some paperwork if you're stopped by the Gardaí and they say show us your licence please missus I don't have my licence Garda because I handed it into the NDLS and look, here's the piece of paper. I'm waiting for my new licence and it'll be on your way. You'll be fine. And the quicker, the better, somebody says, to get that person who changed their UK uh, licence. And then Jackie says, Hi Patricia, I applied for an Irish driver's licence last week. I just walked in off the street 
because that's the other one try and make an appointment please but Jackie just walked in off the street uh, you wait if you don't if you go if you have an appointment it's quicker but if not there is a waiting system whereby they'll, they'll deal with people without an appointment anyway Jackie did really well she obviously went at a very quiet time she said it took about 20 minutes and I'm told she said I should have it back in six weeks well going by the previous texter you could even have it back in uh, three weeks it's to replace my UK licence extremely helpful at the Mallow office says Jackie that's where I went to renew my driver's licence last year yeah and they were a lovely bunch they really were a lovely bunch of uh, people and I would have to agree very helpful and very friendly so it's a simple enough procedure but then a text came in saying Patricia my daughter is waiting for her Irish driving licence for four, it's four months since she applied that's that's strange now I know they they employed extra people for the amount of UK licences because 30,000 people have already applied this year so I don't know if there's a separate if they're processing the UK licence separately to the Irish licences or not. Four months seems an excessively long period to be waiting for your driving licence. So we'll put that out to see. Has anybody heard of anybody waiting that long? Because the, I'm not saying that you're daughter's driving licence has been lost in the system somewhere but four months seems very long. Has she contacted the National Driving Licence Service and checked up just to make sure that you haven't fallen between the cracks and has anybody else waited that long or is anybody else waiting that long? This now is for an Irish driver's licence it's not for the UK one. This is somebody applying for either a new driver's licence having passed the test or a renewal of a driver's licence. Is anybody waiting four months or has anybody waited that long it seems like a long period of time. 1850 333 on Graves and um, plots and running out of plots particularly in the West Cork area Anne says I bought eight Graves back in the 80s. It was very cheap to do it then compared to what they are now. Yeah, there was. I don't know how many people have done that. I do remember that. I, I also remember my own sister receiving the first year she was married, which would have been back in the 80s, receiving a present from her mother-in-law of a cemetery plot. And we as a family thought it was a rather funny thing to get from your mother-in-law as a, a Christmas present. And we've joked about it and the joke is on us now because years later we've discussed it and said, hmm, wasn't your mother-in-law a smart woman? Because the particular graveyard is completely running out of spaces and none of the rest of us will ever hope of being buried there because that graveyard will be full and my sister is uh, sitting pretty because she already has her plot. So yes, it was the done thing. But I don't. I think now it's getting more difficult. I know certainly on the... Graveyards that are filling up, you can't buy a graveyard in advance because they're holding the plots that are left. For emergency, sounds wrong, but you know what I mean? They're holding the plots for the people that die and need them now. So I don't think maybe in newer cemeteries you're able to pre-book, but certainly at the moment uh, you can't in the ones that are filling up and where there's a shortage of graveyard plots. Our winners, thank you, John Paul, our winners for the Everyman for the Odd Couple heading along tomorrow night week to see The Odd Couple live at The Everyman 
Phyllis McCarthy in Dunmanway and Martina Harrington also in Dunmanway. So two Dunmanway calls back to back. Well done. Phyllis McCarthy and Martina Harrington correctly identifying Biddy and John were the odd couple. We were of course looking for Biddy and Miley. Congratulations. Okay, we'll do it all over again tomorrow and again on Thursday and again on Friday. And Friday's winners get the added bonus because it's the Friday and we'll be heading into the weekend. They're also going to get a bottle of bubbly to enjoy as well. Thanks to the everyman who are presenting the odd couple from Tony Award winner Neil Simon from July 16th through to August 17th. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bingo on every Tuesday night, including tonight, 8 o'clock in Ovens GAA Pavilion. All are welcome. The opening parade of the European Equestrian Mounted Games will be held in Mill Street this evening, starts at 7. The opening ceremony will be held in the square afterwards. 16 European countries are taking part. Pipe Band will lead the parade and a social evening will follow. All are welcome. And bingo is cancelled for tomorrow, Wednesday, in Union Hall, Community Hall. And it's due to refurbishment works, but it will resume in the hall following Wednesday, the 17th of July. Songs from the Sea will be held in St. Peter's Church in Bandon this Friday night. That's got an eight o'clock start. It features old American folk and spiritual songs and songs by Percy French and admission 10 euro. We've been talking about graveyards today and the shortage of, and the concern coming out of West Cork about the shortage of graveyard plots uh, in a number of towns across West Cork, in particular Glengariff, Skull, and there's also a shortage emerging in Skibbereen. That prompted somebody to say what would be wrong with being buried in your own ground I often think about that I'd love to be buried in my own ground is it possible that that could happen what's the worst that could happen uh, to be buried on your own land well I said intrigued me when I saw it so I said I'd do a quick Google search to see is it possible for you to be buried now I'm not talking about somebody being buried in, in a small back garden of a you know a terraced house in the middle of town but what if you did live in our beautiful countryside and you had land you know you know a couple of acres around your house you know would it be possible to be buried under the old oak tree at the bottom of the haggard for example well it seems while it is possible to be buried outside of an official graveyard in Ireland for example on private family land it isn't very easy. It's highly recommended to organise all the details in advance with your local authority as it's practically impossible to get approval following a person's death. So you'd need to do a lot of planning in advance if that's what you would like to do. And then I was wondering, did anybody do it? And I found a piece. This goes back to four years ago, June of 2015, where a farmer from... County Mayo won a planning appeal because he wants to be buried on his own land and he he initially put in for planning and he was turned down. But on board Planola granted the appeal. He's a gentleman by the name of Martin Neary of Swinford. His his initial application to seek to be buried in his own land was turned down by Mayo County Council. But on board Planola said, no, off you go. He's a single man. He's got no next to kin. He'd initially hoped and had hoped 
helped to open the grounds to the public with a number of gravel paths that would all lead into a centrally located grave. However, all public access arrangement was later removed and the site will now no longer be open to the public. It'll just be his little private grave. The lands will never be sold. They'll never be redeveloped and no grazing will occur on the site either. So Mr Neary's remains will be entombed in a concrete vault in order to minimise any impact on groundwater. He plans then to erect a simple headstone with the names of deceased family members next to the proposed grave, even though he'll be the only one buried there. So it's a private burial ground. It will be situated on seven hectares of farming land. It's just outside Swinford and as I say he will be the only person buried there. And an inspector from Board Panola said there had been no, no evidence presented of widespread demand for such facilities in the general area. So they've decided no, but this because it's the landowner's wishes to be buried on his own land at this location, they feel it doesn't raise any issues of principle and the proposal is unlikely to set a precedent because there isn't a huge amount of people that want to do it. So the application for the single plot within a rural agricultural area where there's no evidence of widespread demand. Now if there had been widespread demand for such a facility I don't know if you would have got the uh, the permission or not. And on the issue of groundwater and public health the inspector said that the likely impact from the decomposition of one body would be limited. So I suppose that's the reason why we can't all just decide we're going to be buried in our back gardens because there's decomposition and it could lead to an issue with contamination of groundwater but he's going into a concrete tomb. Now as I say that's a piece that I found from the date of the 25th of June 2015. I don't know if the man has died since. There's a picture of him. He looks fine and healthy certainly in that picture in 2015 but he was putting the planning in place and that seemingly is what you need to do. So if you have a genuine a really genuine wish and you have the land and you really would like the idea of being buried on your own property, then you need to put planning, literally planning in place and you need to get it organised and you need to seek the approval in advance of your death because if you leave it to your next of kin, they're going to have a huge problem trying to get planning in time and obviously, you know, what would they do with the, with the body and, and, and all of that. And somebody says, you can always spread your ashes a- anywhere you want. Well, that's one of the advantages to cremation. But not everybody likes the idea of, of cremation. There are some people have just, and I'm, I'm still undecided on cremation versus burial. And even though there is a kind of a tradition in my family of cremation, my mother was cremated and my grandmother before her was uh, cremated. And I know a lot of my siblings want the route of cremation. And I've been to some wonderful cremations and, and I've been to one actually here in, in Cork in, in the facility uh, down the harbour. And it's the most magnificent crematorium I think I've ever been in. And I was at the one in Glasnevin. Where my, that was where my mother was created because back then they, they, we only had a crematorium in Glasnevin and then I've been at some cremations uh, with the loved ones and family in, in England and there is something very dignified about a cremation but I still haven't made my mind up I suppose that's something you need to put in a will when we were talking about wills uh, last week but there's a kind of a divide but yeah, but yeah you don't have the issue of what do you then do with the ashes you can sprinkle them anywhere you like and obviously yeah if you want to if you like the idea of being buried on your own ground or under the apple tree in the garden 
obviously if you get cremated you can spread your ashes or you can bury your ashes there yet that doesn't become uh, an issue but that as I say goes back to that argument of do you want to be buried six foot under or do you want to be cremated 1850 and I don't know how the programme has taken on this morbid twist uh, but uh, it certainly has but you know it's one of those things we're all going to die it's uh, the two certainties in life, death and uh, taxes. OK, 1850-333-103. Let's park it all there for now because I want to take a break and we're back talking with Joe Heffernan and we're discussing loneliness today on the programme. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And just on the medical centre in Formoy where we had a call in saying that the lift had been broken for six to eight weeks and the doctor's practices are on the second floor. Uh, what... what People were, um, somebody was saying that it was inconvenient and I was saying, what if somebody was in a wheelchair? What if somebody, you know, babies and buggies and all of that. John Paul contacted the first medical practice. The lift in the Fomoy is back working again, but they had alternative arrangements. They had a stair lift was in place and a treatment room was set up on the ground floor for patients. And we also had, we had a few calls also on the Fomoy first medical practice. If you go in the back door, you do not you need to use the stairs and you end up on the floor where the doctors are. But if that's the case, why have they did they put a stair lift in, in place if there was another solution? Anyway, it's been sorted and the lift is working. That is the main thing. And breaking news, the female in her thirties arrested in connection with the investigation to the death of the of the little two year old girl has been released without charge this afternoon and a file has been prepared for the DPP and invest and investigation is ongoing. We'll have more of that in the news at one o'clock. And the listener who was waiting whose daughter applied for an Irish driver's licence and was waiting four months and I was saying that that's very excessive has been on to say sorry I left out a piece of my text I should have said my daughter swapped her English licence the UK licence and applied for the Irish one in March and is uh, still uh, waiting I certainly would put a call through because the other listeners who've contacted us had their licence back within three to four weeks four months seems very excessive just in case something has happened and it's fallen between the cracks put a call through just to see why she is waiting that long. Hi Patricia my driving licence is out next month I'm just wondering if I need to fill up a renewal form or just make an appointment at the Mallow office. I'm trying to think when I did it last year I didn't fill in any form because I'm sure they did it all on they did it all in there when I went in. No, I think you just make you just make the appointment. I, I, I'm sure I got something in the post to tell me my driver's licence was out and giving me the details. But I'm sure if you just contact the NDLS because they take the photograph and everything for you when you go in. So you don't. It's not like the old way when we were applying, when we were renewing our licence where you had to go get your photograph taken and fill in all the form and sign it and, and send it off. You electronically sign when you're in there. So no, I don't. Uh, my memory is there was no form filling to be done. Just make your appointment. Joe Heffernan joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Hi, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Mm. And today we are going to discuss uh, loneliness uh, yeah. on, on the programme. And, you know, you think of loneliness and you straight away think of an elderly person living on their own in a very rural area. But I don't know how often when we've discussed loneliness, I would hear from somebody saying you can be living in a built up urban area. You can be in the middle of a city and you can be lonely. Yeah, and I was reading um, a thing by <laughs> excuse me, Damien McLean the Vice President for Welfare in the Union of Students in Ireland uh, that loneliness um, can come in uh, in in several ways and at different um, ages. Um, I mean, he was talking about, uh, if I can recall it now, um 
uh, 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 there was a story of a student who was excelling in college, having left home, and was taking care of his physical health and all that. But then he realized that one Monday morning that he hadn't spoken to another human being since the previous Thursday. Wow. Yeah. And that's in the middle of, well, if it was UCC, or, yeah, 17,000 students. So, like, loneliness can be can be very uh, different for different people. I suppose the first time we experience a kind of scare like that <laughs> is the first time as a child, a, a baby, um, that, um, you know, when, when, when the mother uh, even leaves the room, um, you know, there's a, a feeling of abandonment, a yeah. feeling of loneliness. And then in adulthood, I mean, I suppose the biggest thing would be bereavement, especially older people, um, because uh, when a partner, a wife, a husband um, dies, um, it's a very lonely world um, that one is trying to adjust to. It can happen as well with changing location. Um, you know, where a person <clears throat> uh, knows people where he or she is living and then they move. Um, <coughs> there can be relationship issues. Um, it can be um, the... Uh, the um the kind of stereotypical one of uh, somebody living in an isolated area in rural Ireland. Um, but it can be so many other things. It can be redundancy from a job where a person, you know, combined their social life with their work. So it, 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 it can be um, so many things. But the thing is that this new, um, or relatively new anyway from my reading of it, the, the Loneliness Task Force, they had some startling kind of um, findings, really uh, startling, that like loneliness was a greater threat to health than obesity. Its life-shortening effects was comparable to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. My goodness. Yeah, um, amazing. Um Blood pressure rises. Um, the immune system is uh, lowered. Lowered. Um, arteries tighten. There's a, a higher risk of heart disease. Uh, people sleep poorly and uh, are more fatigued in the daytime. So it's a really, you know, it's a real health issue. And the thing is that um, we'll say now too, there's a difference between um, uh, loneliness and solitude. I mean, loneliness is something which is imposed on a person, whereas solitude is a choice. Like, for example, we often hear people saying that... um, uh, they need a bit of me time. We often hear about Yeah, the and there are, there are times when everybody likes that uh, yeah. to get a bit of time on their own. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, especially people in the in the um, uh, creative world, uh, writers, painters, you know, um, they wouldn't appreciate at all uh, being interrupted, um, no matter how kindly the, um, the interruption um, when they're engaged in, in, in their work. Um, I remember some line in a, a poem of Wordsworth, um, uh, that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. Um, it was the poem about the daffodils. But like, 
the bliss of solitude. Um, so there is that too. Um, yeah, um, it's 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 uh, the the findings in this loneliness um, uh, task force are um, are are pretty startling. Um, uh, and it's uh, like loneliness is is not a choice. No. No, loneliness is something that sort of happens. Yeah. Um, but, but, is, but is it up to the individual person to not allow it to happen? If you know or, what I mean. or to do think of something Just, about yeah. it when it does. Like, um, one of the big things that seems to come up um, would be volunteering. There was a, a quotation in the uh, task force article I read um, by Cathy uh, Donaghy and... Um, <clears throat> the person said it felt like standing under the shadow of a tall building with the sun beaming down all around, but being unable to step into the light. Yeah, you're standing um, in the shadows all the time. That's a good That's a good description. Yeah. But it was like earlier this morning, I had uh, Deputy Michael Healy Ray on from Kerry. Now, we were talking about a completely different issue. We were talking about internet trolling and the effect yeah. that, uh, you know, yeah. the, that online abuse. And I was How saying horrible, to him, yeah. yeah, but I was saying to him, is he any understanding of what you know, prompts somebody to do it. I mean, obviously his own family gets targeted, the Healy Rays do all the time. And he reckons that a lot of it is, you know, people who've got too much time in their hands, nothing to do, you know, and nothing better to do. And he was saying that they should get out and get involved. And volunteering was one of the things he mentioned. They would be better off doing something with their life. And that's, you know, if somebody finds themselves feeling isolated, feeling lonely, it's to say, rather than sit there and feel very sorry for themselves, as obviously you would, say, okay, particularly if you're fit and able, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in something. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd say an awful lot of those, we'll call them, uh, what's the term I hear? Keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors, yeah. Um, you know, that um, when those of them who have been exposed for the kind of things that they were doing, um, were sort of sad people. Um, you know, you'd be inclined to say that they should maybe, uh, as Michael would have said there this morning, to get a life, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible, horrible, the thing with Brian Cowan. I mean, it doesn't matter two hoots about Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil or Fianna anything else. When a person is ill, the only thing that they should get is support and um and good wishes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Margaret says, uh, I see no one from Sunday Mass until Thursday, but I talk to my animals. Well, fair enough. And yeah. I mean, I have spoken with people down through the years um, uh, who would have a pet, usually a dog. Yeah. And um and they find the dog is their greatest yeah. friend and comfort. Yeah, so. and, and, and it's it's always the and it would it would come up um, every so often on our pet slot when a much loved dog dies. There was one a few weeks ago, it was a family pet, I think they had it for eighteen years. And it's only when you've owned an animal for that length of time that you can understand the feeling of loss when that dog dies. Absolutely. And it's it's People who've never owned or loved an animal will kind of think, how, how can you be that upset over the passing of an animal? And you can. I mean, I would have heard people say, I am closer to my dog than I am to, you know, a member of the family. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, they, they, there is such a thing as pet bereavement. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's quite legitimate. 
and um, and has you know, to be acknowledged. I, I, yeah, I've I've chatted with a few people down through the years who's um, usually their dog has died, and um, uh, you know they're quite bereft um, uh, about it, and uh, in many cases would feel that their best friend had died. Mm. And I think that has to be respected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but your message just to anybody going through loneliness is, is to reach out if you are fit and able, because I'm conscious there will be people who are housebound, uh, and maybe through age, maybe through a disability, and can't get out. I mean, that picture that Paddy O'Brien, who works with elderly people in the city, you know, speaks about an uh, you know, elderly person sitting at the window watching the world go by and nobody calling in, yeah. and they can't physically get out. I mean, there's, there, there's a, a loneliness not by choice. Yeah. But for those people, you reach out, you know, the senior helpline is there, pick up the phone, yeah. talk to people. And I'll tell you about uh, an amazing initiative um, that that apparently is being ro- ruled out in cafes all over the world. Um, that there's a table where a sign on the table says free to chat. Yeah. And this means the person who's sitting there will have their phone on silent and yeah. be open to chat with whoever chooses to sit down. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. And that's what we need to do. We all need to get off our phones and talk more. Yeah. And the uh, the, the, the CEO now, Sean Moynihan of um, Alone, that, that great charity yeah. uh, that visits it, says research shows that volunteering is one of the best things we can do for our health. And it certainly deals with loneliness as a, a very... Uh, good uh, side effect. Actually, I saw Daniel O'Donnell, I saw a picture of Daniel O'Donnell on the paper today. A loan has been rolled out to, to County Donegal. Because right. that, it was a Dublin, just a Dublin-based that's charity. correct. But they're bringing it to Donegal. And now Donegal, you would, in a, in, would be very rural in parts. You'd have exactly that scenario of elderly people and nobody around. And there's nobody around to call because there is nobody around. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's that. That's that's uh, a piece of good news. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I I think the uh, the the cafe one is unique. Yeah, and and good. And it'd be lovely to see if cafes down here do it uh, as yeah. well. Now, before we let you go, uh, Mary by text, uh, not your own Mary, different Mary says, Patricia, could you ask Joe how is his son? And I was going to ask, how's your son doing? Not great. Um, uh, the person, actually, a, a billionaire guy. Um, who owned the company that he worked for decided he would close down the catering department. So with it went Ken's job, and with that um, will go his um, his medical insurance. Oh no! Yeah, so things ain't good. Um, but they're working on it over in Cayman, and um, you know uh, it's not a great time for us at all. Oh, that's, but, um, that's tough. That is tough. on, yeah. you know. I mean, one well, day after the other, we yeah. just keep going. That's it. Onwards and upwards, and we'll keep you all in, in, in our thoughts and I in would our prayers. appreciate it. And, all the prayers. And uh, when you're speaking to Ken, pass on our best wishes, okay? I will indeed. God bless, and we'll talk next week, yeah. okay? All right, mind yourself. Bye-bye, uh, bye-bye. Uh, wow, I wasn't uh, expecting to hear that. And, and my apologies uh, to Joe. I, I, I didn't realise that, that I wouldn't have asked him straight out of that. It was just when somebody sent in the text. I was saying, oh yeah, I must ask him how Ken is doing because we haven't asked him in, in quite some time. So if everybody please could keep um, Joe's son, Ken, 
who, as we know, is, is battling cancer in, in the States. But that's, that's tough to lose your medical insurance uh, in the States, for sure. Yesterday, I read out a lovely thank you card that was on my desk. And um, I found out afterwards, actually, that Sean Donnan had also read it out because it was a general one. It wasn't addressed to anyone in particular. Just asking if we would thank people who had donated to a fundraising uh, that had been set up to uh, support Michelle Canon Quinn, who is from Kilavolan, who was about to head out to India. And I read out the thank you just so that everyone would get the, the message from Michelle that she was very appreciative of people. I think it was about 4,000 euro that she had raised. And I was wondering what she was doing and who she was going to work with in India. And lo and behold, I came into work today with a lovely note from Michelle to say her journey actually begins tomorrow. She leaves Ireland for Heathrow and then she's heading to Bangalore in India and she's going out to work with a charity called Serve who I hadn't heard of before. They're actually a Cork based charity and as Michelle says in her note they're not that well known and they specifically support children, young people and women in their partner communities and Michelle is going to work in the volunteer programme in India this summer and that's why she was doing all of the fundraising and service committed to responsible and sustaining sustainable development and volunteering and they aim to empower and support local communities to become self-sufficient and they're actually based in Chaste Road in Blackrock in uh, Cork and uh, Michelle from Kilavolum heads off on her journey to Bangalore in India tomorrow and she will be there for a month. We wish her lots of love and luck and we hope that everything goes goes according to plan and um, the people will be blessed to have Michelle in their midst for the month while she's there. Good luck with it, Michelle. And thank you uh, for, for sending on the information to me today. OK, that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. John Paul is away for two weeks. I hope he's a lovely holiday. And I'll be with you though tomorrow from uh, 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.